gets it. This is hit in the air to right field. It's deep. Back goes Naquin. Back near the wall. And it's out of here. Brandon Nimmo comes crashing down with a three-run homer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. We're back in Studio One. We're getting booted all over the place, but kind of an upgrade today. YouTube listeners or watchers, I guess, if you're viewing this right now and you're looking in the bottom right corner, that is our producer, Audio Jack. He's got the camera today. We're upgraded. We're feeling high. Uh, my uh, my co-host here, Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm great. Yeah, this is a great setup. I get to look you know, at the show's template. We don't have to like splice it in afterward. Jack doesn't have to do any editing. Mm. We're good to go, man. Yeah, I went for high and mighty before, and then I totally forgot the word, so I passed it to you. No one noticed. No one noticed. Hunt. No, no, we all noticed. We just didn't want to say it because we like you. Well, Jack, you have a camera. Did you notice? No. It's a good man right there. Well, I guess I noticed. I definitely noticed. But yeah, we're here, man. We're we're ready to go. This is a this is a series. We're we're pushing towards the end of the first half before the All Star break exciting times this is uh this is crunch time if you will yeah it got a little scary in cincinnati uh this past week luckily the mets escape with a series win it could have been a lot worse uh if you look at it from surface level oh they took two out of three that's what the braves did cool when you dive into the games it gets a little bit more scary we're going to talk a lot about that today but jerry uh today's episode is brought to you by three different sponsors i don't know if you've heard that uh, shea station's kind of going hollywood and what a fitting sponsor to go hollywood with uh in shady rays guys all-star week is nearly upon us and so is sunglasses season. I got my Shady Rays earlier this year. They are great. If you need a new pair or more pairs for the summer, look no further than Shady Rays. Every pair features high visibility, polarized optics, and high-quality durable frames. A lot of fun words there. And they're backed by lost and broken replacements. Shady Rays will send you a new pair if you lose or break them no matter what happened. And you know me, I'm a clumsy guy, so I break my sunglasses all the time. They're changing the way you wear sunglasses in the outdoors, offering the best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big brand uh, price tag. They also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order, and have donated over 20 million meals to date. Looks good on your shades and feels good by making an impact. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. That's pretty cool. There's no risk when you shop at Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. So get $20 off each pair of premium polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com with the code JOMBOYAS. That's for JOMBOY All-Star. So JOMBOYAS at ShadyRays.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode of Shea Station. Very nice. Love it. Did you All get right, Shady Rays. Welcome into the fold. Did you get a pair of Shady I Rays? I haven't gotten my Shady Rays yet because I'm not in the office, uh. but... We ordered them for our big trip to L.A. for All-Star Week. I'm excited to get them because I see C-Rose looking fantastic in those. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, hey, well, us old guys can look good, too. Exactly, man. Get yourself a pair of aviators, something nice, a little gold rim. Who knows? Who knows? All Who right. Knows? I don't we should probably talk what about, I ordered. We should talk about Mets baseball, right? Let's do it. Let's yeah. get into it. Let's recap the Cincinnati Red series. All right. And you use the right word, first of all, escape. We escaped yeah. Cincinnati. It was uh, <laughs> it was frightening. So it'll be interesting combo. Yeah. All right. So I got game one. Game one was probably the most easygoing of the three for sure. 
Uh, the Mets got four base runners in the first inning of this one and failed to score. That's not usually a sentence you can say, uh, but that kind of set the tone for this entire series. A lot of runners in scoring position woes. Uh, Akana hit by pitch in a Nito single, uh, Nito single set up a Brandon Nimmo three-run homer off Hunter Green, who was pounding 100-mile-per-hour fastballs against our lineup. Former Met Brandon Drury got the runs back on a three-run homer of his own against Taiwan. That's a 3-3 three to three tie, but Taiwan shook off the home run, had a pretty solid start once again, just that one mistake to Drury. He went six innings, three and in runs allowed, four hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. Another high strikeout total for Taiwan on 97 pitches. Francisco Lindor in the fifth inning. Fights a good count against Hunter Green, gets it to 3-2, and two, and then cranks a solo home run to right field to give the Mets a 4-3 lead. Later on, it was a McNeil single and Mark Canna double, which set up a Dom two-run double in the sixth inning to dead center. I thought he got that one, bounced right in front of the wall, so that's unfortunate. Eduardo Escobar singled home a run. It was Francisco Lindor, two outs uh, for insurance in the seventh inning, 7-3 seven to three Mets there. Drew Smith came on for the seventh inning. He was a little bit shaky in this one, a lot of hard-hit balls. He gets out with only one run allowed on a solo shot to Nick Senzel. And then Colin Holderman, who's back with the club, my guy, and Seth Lugo, they get the eighth and the ninth. They seal the 7-4 win. Lugo gets his third save of the season. Multi-hit games for Nimmo, Lindor, and McNeil, and every Mets starter records a hit in this one. So after this first game, we kind of felt like we were cruising okay. You know, we're, we're better than this other team. We should cruise to an easy series win, maybe even a sweep. And we're getting Max Scherzer back for game two. That's right. Yes. Taiwan looks fantastic in that game. You know, the home run to Drury, that guy's on another planet right now. But game two, it's the return of the Max. Max Scherzer back in action against another returner in Nick Lodolo, uh, a giant lefty. I didn't realize how big that guy was. Mm. He looks like a monster on the mound. Very impressed with him. But he does not go quite as hot as Max Scherzer. Max goes six innings, allows only two hits, zero walks. 11 punch outs in his return he was efficient could have gone longer he has not built up the guy is at his peak right now he's looking fantastic that was a beautiful sight to behold for all the Mets fans kind of you know at some point he's going to show his age we're like not yet Max keep pushing it uh he looked fantastic love seeing it um the story of the game though is the Mets not hitting with runners in scoring position they had runners in scoring position in the first, the second, the fourth, the sixth, the seventh. They had base runners on base in every inning but the eighth and ninth, and they just didn't come through. They go 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position, leaving nine total on base. Starling Marte had a great game, though. He went two for two, two walks, a stolen base, did get picked off. Um, Canna goes two for four, but they just can't hit when it counts. They get shut out. Uh, Scherzer goes six. Joely comes in in the seventh, looks solid, gets two punch outs. Tommy Hunter comes in to pitch the eighth, gets two on with nobody out. And they bunt him over second and third, gets a, a huge infield pop up, and then a nice little lazy short fly ball to right field to escape the jam. He looks solid. Uh, and then in steps Lugo going back to back. Um, they wanted to give Adovino an extra day off, so Lugo comes in with a tie ball game, zero to zero. Uh, immediately, Tommy Fan puts a double on the board. Intentional walk followed by a regular walk, and then Mustakis sends one into center. The Reds walk off the Mets one to nothing, spoiling Max's return. The offense looked anemic. They get on base. They couldn't put him in. They've been relying on their timely hitting all year, and it just hasn't come through. Yeah, I think 
it's tough to say because Scherzer was a joy to watch in this one. I think that this was my least favorite game of the entire year, just based it on frustration. Oh, it was. It was every agonizing. inning, every single inning. It seemed we had. Well, I, I listed every single instance here. They struck out three times in the first after Marte singled and stole a base. Could have got an early run. JD and McCann, they had a tough game in this one. McKenna um, and McNeil had a single in the second. They both. Uh, popped out there. J.D. Davis popped out with a runner on first and second again in the fourth. Lindor popped out with runners on first and second in the seventh. It was just brutal. Every single time that they had an opportunity to beat up a team that they were better than, they did not get there. Luckily, Max Scherzer was pitching in this one, and he was a joy to see. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat at all. It looked like 47 days on the I.L. was his worst nightmare because he was just mad and angry. He wanted to go, I think, for the seventh, but they wanted to limit him to under 80 pitches. Hopefully, he'll get to 90 to 95 his next start but yeah just a just a miserable game all around gosh you can't be you can't be too upset about the number of guys on base that's what they've been doing uh as part of the winning recipe all season but they just couldn't get the timely hit not only that they didn't even really put it in play you know lazy pop outs what they've been doing is picking a hole and punching a little you know fastball a little little short line drive driving in runs, but this was ugly infield pop-up strikeouts. Um, outside of that, you know, Lugo didn't look great, but he looked really good in game one. Um, but Scherzer, man, that's the, to me, that's the, the bright spot. He looked, I, it's been so long, obviously that long layoff, but he looks my, this was my favorite start of his because he looked strong all the way through all of his pitches he wasn't – he just looked confident in his body. Um, they gave him the rest. They're doing it the right way because he looked he looked awesome. Yeah, I think I'm a little biased because I was there for his start against the Giants against Logan Webb. He was really good in that one. But this was That's like true. a monster incarnate, you know, really coming back with all that energy. Um, yeah, I think it was the anticipation too yeah. and then just the level of like we get we need one of our guys back and he showed up and delivered. He'll never be a rumble pony again, hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Oh, knock on wood. Yeah, so that led us to game three, uh, a way more high-pressure game three than I think anybody had uh, originally thought was going to be. Uh, after getting shut out, the Mets did grab a first-inning run uh, with a Jeff McNeil RBI single, so they finally get that hit with runners in scoring position after going 0-8 for 8 the night before, leaving nine men on base. That's pretty tough. Nick Senzel, who was suddenly very, very good against the New York Mets, maybe a new Mets killer uh, in the win there. He gives the Reds a two-run uh, two homer to give them a 2-1 to one lead. That's off David Peterson, who... Had his first start after having his baby. He lost a little bit of his command. He kind of looked like a new father that probably wanted to be with his kid. I can't really blame him for not having his A-plus stuff. He goes three and two-thirds innings, three run runs allowed, four hits, five walks, which was tough. Seven strikeouts and the one home run on 93 pitches. He had three walks on three and two counts. That easily could have changed the entire outing. Uh, just didn't make the pitch on uh, the payout there, so that was pretty tough for him. Dom hit another double in the fourth inning. And then Tomas Nito, who, you know, he's going to be battling for some playing time with James McCann back now. He singles him home in the fourth inning to make it three to two. Adonis Medina, who I think we need to talk about a little bit more. I'm going to talk a little, uh, a little bit about him after a recap here. He had another stellar outing in relief of Peterson. Three stellar shutout innings. Probably should have been three and a third, but got a little boned on the uh, last uh, walk he had there, which was a strike. We're going to talk about that umpire, too. Uh, the Mets got a runner on in the 5th, 6th, and 7th, but failed to score, so we were kind of getting that nightmare creeping back in a little bit in the late innings as time melted away. Uh, and then with one out in the ninth, Hunter Strickland, former Met on the mound, 
Nemo on first after a single. Marte dribbles one down the left field line. It just stays fair. It just gets past everything, sneaks inside the wall, and goes to the far outfield wall in left field. It's a game-tying double. Nemo comes around to score. Uh, Lindor grounds out, and Pete hits a foul fly out behind the catcher, so that halts the rally and makes it 3-3. Three to three. And in comes Adam Adovino. Buck kind of had a tough call here. It was either go to Edwin, make sure you get through the ninth and give yourself a chance to get to the 10th, or go with Otto and save Diaz for the 10th if you get there as well. He opts to go to Adovino, who has some extra rest, and he looked great with that extra rest. So I think Buck is, you know... Figuring out a system for Adam Adovino as well. That's a perfect ninth inning. And then the Mets lineup finally woke up in the 10th inning. Dom Smith gets the big double to bring home the ghost runner after uh, McNeil flew out. Guillaume is intentionally walked, which I thought was pretty fun. James McCann makes them pay with an RBI single. He needed that for sure. And then Brandon Nimmo, who had a huge series, caps off the rally with a three-run bomb to right field to make it 8-3 to three Mets. And then just for fun, let's use Edwin Diaz in the 10th inning since we haven't used him all series. He strikes out the side easily on 11 pitches. The Mets do seal a series win. It was way closer than we wanted it to be, but two out of three is exactly what they needed to do on the road. So they leave Cincy uh, a game better than they were when they walked in somehow. They escaped with that victory. Oh, my goodness. I was living and dying by your tweets. They were so fun. You're just like, please don't do this to me. Don't make me angry and sad all at the same time. Come through, please, Marte. Like, I, I, all your emotions showed your Mets fandom so much. I loved it. Um, huge from Nemo. Huge from McCann. I, yeah. I mean, that's the right move. That's the right move to walk Guillaume there to get to the – lesser hitter for sure. Uh, nice to see him come through. You talked about the Adovino, um, him coming in in the ninth there. It's the right move. He's got to pitch because he had that extra day. You got to get him in there. Uh, and on the road, you don't want to bring your closer in until there's a save situation at home. He would pitch that inning. Uh, Diaz would have pitched that inning just traditionally, you know, you never know with the metrics and today and where the lineup is. But that's the more traditional uh, go of it. But, man, that was a nice little breakout. Good to see Dom really, really stroke the ball. Um, just an escape of a series, man. Escaped. Yeah, it really felt like a, a weight just came off my – I'm not there. I'm not in the Mets uniform. But it felt like a weight came off my shoulders when we scored a five in the tenth there. They needed that so bad. I don't know what – ever since that Miami game, I don't know what has gotten into the this team with runners in scoring position. It felt like they did a complete 180, uh, but luckily they got some timely hits there. I do want to give some love to who will become the unsung hero of this game, who is Adonis Medina. Adonis Shout Medina. It. Give it. Give me, give me mid-relief love. I'm for it. DFA'd by the Pirates. For no reason, pitched pretty well there. Let's scoop him up. He's having a great season. He had one blow-up outing in Coors Field, which is kind of like, you know, bounced out his numbers a little bit. But he, I just want to shout him out really quick. He uh, played a huge role in the Mets' seven-run comeback against the Phillies, uh, where he went two and two-thirds shutout, kept the Phillies at eight runs there. He was involved in this game, of course, three shutout innings. He held the Astros to one run in three innings. He's had a dozen great outings. He had the Dodgers save in the five to four win at Dodger Stadium. Oh, that's right. People I forgot forget. About that People one. forget. He's played a huge role in a bunch of like the key games of this season. And I just want to give him some love because he's a piece that we got for free. He's been bounced up and down from AAA like five times already this year. This is a guy that deserves to stay with the big league ball club, in my opinion, uh, when we get some reinforcements back because Trevor May is going to be coming back soon. They'll need a spot for him. So I just I wanted to give some love to Adonis because I think he fully deserves it. He's having a great season. Uh, I'm for it, man. I agree. He looked 
he looks like a like a guy that's going to be there for us for the whole season. Again, it's very fickle because it's it's you know very fluid because you can be great and then all of a sudden you're not. Yep. It's uh, but he has looked good and it's kind of been all season, like you said, like he just stepped in like Holderman and just been like, oh, okay, eye opening. Like the guy just knows how to get it done. Whatever's working for him um, with the Mets, it's it's been a great relationship. So good to see. You. Thank you for shouting him out. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside when you shout Absolutely, out a guy man. in the middle relief role. So I Listen, appreciate it. I've seen a ton of horrible Mets bullpens. So the fact that this one has so much depth behind their top, top guys with guys like Holderman, Medina, you know, Sean Reed Foley went down, but he was the death piece as well. You know, it's just nice to have that security, you know? It's interesting that you say that because I think one of us will, at some point we're going to talk about trades um, and, and the deadline coming up. The... A lot of people think we need one more guy at the back end, like, uh, you know, if Trevor May comes back and is that guy. What do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's really interesting because in the first two months, I would have said, yes, we absolutely need one more impact guy. But then the Mets bullpen had a really good month of June, even though the team record wasn't as solid. They just came through in a lot of areas where we needed them. And I look at this list of trade candidate relievers and like, obviously, it's always a long list every year because bad teams, they're always bound to have at least one good reliever. I think the Mets could maybe use a lefty. You got, you know, Joe Mantiply on the Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafin, a guy that we could have signed. He's on the Tigers, a lot of right-handed relievers as well. But at the same time, if the Mets come away and their big move is a bat instead of a reliever, I'm not upset, if I'm being completely honest. I, I have regained a lot of trust in this bullpen over the past 30 days. I love it. I love what you said there because that was my point is – there's nobody on the market, especially we don't need any more right-handed help. We've yeah. got Diaz in the, uh, the, as a closer. We've got, you know, Lugo, who's been up and down, but we have Adovino. Every All of our big guys, Trevor May coming back, are all yeah. right-handed. And there's no lefty on the market that we need. You know what I mean? There's no dominating lefty right now um, that would just solidify that eighth-inning role. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be against a move at some point for a, a bigger, you know, established back end guy. But I do think the pieces that we have, Tommy Hunter's looked fantastic. Yeah. Trevor May hopefully comes back feeling wonderful. Um, I think we've we've got we've got guys that can get the job done. Yeah, so. it's a little bit of a conundrum because Trevor May will come back and no innings limit for him. He'll go for the rest of the season as long as he's healthy. Drew Smith is creeping up on his career high in games right now. He'd think he's about tied with it at 34. So you do have to start managing these guys a little bit more carefully. They've given Otto a lot more rest, and he's been a lot better for it. So I want them to continue doing that. But I think at the end of the day, it's exactly what you said. I don't think it's wholeheartedly necessary, but I'm not going to be mad if they do make a move, especially for another lefty, because only having Joelle there with Chase and Shreve gone now does get a little dicey, especially if teams decide to go lefty, righty, lefty on you, righty, lefty, righty. That kind left, of thing. right, left, right. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the tough combo. That's what you're looking for in a big game. You think about it in the playoffs. You have it set up. Who's going to be the guy to be able to dominate both sides? I am not worried about Drew Smith health wise. I know his numbers are getting up there. The only thing that I would point to him is just understanding the flow of a full season now. But there's a lot of veteran guys down in that bullpen that can help him like get his body ready on day-to-day -day basis. His arm, I think, is going to be fine because he's finally fully out from surgery. He doesn't have to think about that. But then this is a this is his first full season in a long time. 
from a just a physical standpoint, it grinds on you, the walk, like the travel, all that stuff. Eventually, you just have to learn how to manage it, how to pay attention to what your body is saying and how to um, go about it in the training room, in the weight room to make sure that you're feeling healthy enough to go out there and strong. So, yeah, definitely agree there. And uh, I know we saw a little bit of a resurgent Dom in the series. It was really nice to see him smack some doubles. But I do think that if the Mets do make a push for a trade, because, you know, it's creeping up on us now. It's July 7th. There's about, a, you know, less than a month left until that deadline hits. I think the trade for a DH piece or some kind of bat to protect Pete, especially with Pete slumping recently. He had the four for five game. That was really nice to see. But I think somebody to protect Pete go in that five hole with, you know, good runners in scoring position numbers. That would be ideal for me. I, I agree. You know, we had hoped it would be, uh, Escobar to show up and, and be that guy behind him. You got to go get somebody. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you have to, but I think that's the prudent move because look at how bad our offenses looked. You know, we're going to go face Miami, who is an amazing bullpen and, and starting rotation, some of the best pitching. We looked, we made the Reds, who have the worst pitching staff, first starters and worst relievers numbers wise. In the, in the show, we made them look like just absolute studs, yeah. you know? So we thought it was just because the, the Astros are really good, but it's shown to be a little bit more, you know, internal than external. So um, not panicking by any means because this is still a great team, but we've shown some flaws. We're not infallible. Uh, there's things that may need to be addressed and we just can't have so many pieces. I, you're right about how much, how reliant upon, Pete Alonso's power this team is and we've talked about it since spring training if everybody was going to hit around him like they were in the beginning of the season that would have been okay but when things go south he tries to maybe do a little too much and he just we're just so reliant upon him I would love to see like a big left-handed bat like a I don't know a Kyle <laughs> Schwarber type yeah thing. you know I wish we said that in the preseason I, wish I we know we should have said that yeah, yeah but I, I do I, I I am a little worried about the offense just in general um because of the how bad it's looked um they're not doing the same things that they were at the beginning of the season like putting the ball on the ground making the defensive make plays so that's my worry, but I still believe in this team. I still think they're one of the three best teams in the National League with the Dodgers and the Braves. Um, Cardinals and, and Brewers are very good as well, but I think we're those top three. Yeah, I believe in it. Plus, we have Scherzer just returned. We have Jacob deGrom on the horizon, just oh, yeah. dominating high A ball, just beautiful stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of things to be cautious about. I think that the big thing that I saw in this red series was uh, that was uncharacteristic of the lineup was just a lot of like short at bats, a lot of reaching for breaking pitches outside the zone, trying to make something happen and not letting the good pitch come to you while you work the count. I mean, Starling Marte had a huge hit in game three that tied the game. But earlier in that bat and at bats previous, I caught him reaching for a lot of sliders out of the zone, just kind of wailing. And like, there is that pressure to go get that big hit because the team has been slumping and stuff like that. And I think that a trade piece or some type of promotion from somebody from AAA could juice this lineup, or maybe they'll find it because they've had it for two and a half months. It's not like it's gone forever, you know? So I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's what I mean. Like I'm not, I don't feel like we need to make a move one way or the other. And again, the names on the, the trade market for the relievers aren't great. 
Um, there's nobody that's like, go get that guy. Yeah. Uh, I feel kind of the same way about the, the free agent guys that are offensive. There's nothing that we need to go get that we can't have similar success with a guy that's been doing it all year or should step up and be able to hit. Um, you want to do some apples? Let's I get some would. positivity in here. Before we do, I got to tell you who's bringing us the apple today, which is a brand new sponsor for Shea Station. One I'm really excited about because they are delicious. It's Bear Burger, guys. For those that are not familiar, they got burgers for everyone. Yes, even you. They are a burger joint, but they aren't the type to be bogged down by labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone, regardless of dietary preferences, whether you're 100% vegan or you think ketchup is a vegetable. We won't judge. Uh, Bear Burger, there is only one dietary restriction you'll be limited to. Food that's made to taste great. I love that. Their kitchen and bar happy hour is the best in New York City, 12 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Don't miss out on that. They have exotic burgers, which I didn't know, and they're kind of fun. They have elk burgers, ostrich burgers, and bison burgers. Sounds pretty good. Sounds a little interesting. They also got bar bites at the Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar. All food items for $9.95 Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, there's two Nashville sliders, six PBRs, and a martini, all for under $20. Kind of a steal. So click the link in our description on the Shea, on the Shea Station episode uh, to find yourself at your new favorite happy hour spot, burger joint, and luncheon. It's marketing.bearburger.com. Link is in all descriptions on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. Guys, go check it out. They are awesome. Thank you for sponsoring us. Love it. Also, one thing, just want to point out on that ad read, ketchup as a vegetable, tomatoes as fruit. Tomatoes of fruit. I'm in agreement. So you can't. Yeah. So what's happening? Well, we're not judging. Why are we people? saying that? We're not judging. Come on, Bear Burger. Hey, You're delicious. On. I don't know. You're judging them already. It's our first read. Man. I am. I am. <laughs> they haven't sent me any product. That's terrible. Yeah. They haven't sent me a burger in the mail. What kind of sponsor is this? <laughs> they can do that. <laughs> you want first steps? I do. I do. I'm very happy for this man who stepped up. He's been stellar all year. I don't think I've picked him for Apple, and I'm not sure that you have. Ooh. His name is Brandon Nimmo. Ooh. Some claps for him. I love it. Brandon Nimmo is the apple of my eye. He has really looked better at the plate this series. He's driving the ball six for 13, four runs scored. Two big three-run homers, so that six RBI, and he had a walk. I would still love to see him be maybe a little bit more selective at the top, take a step back, but he's shown what he's capable of doing because he's looking to drive the ball. Uh, just just good. Four runs scored is tremendous on the top, especially when we only scored four runs, I felt like, the whole series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did special stuff. Uh, those two big home runs, the one in game three, just – Gave you a, a sigh of relief. It was like, thank you, Brandon Nimmo. One of a special moment. I'm very happy for him. He is a tremendous dude. So happy to see the apple of my eye. Very nice for Brandon. He had a huge series, a couple of huge hits. Uh, and yeah, you were definitely right. He's not walking as much. In June, he had five walks and 20 strikeouts, which is not a stat line you think of when you think of Brandon Nimmo. Still only one walk in July, but I mean, this is, might be a new version of Brandon Nimmo we're seeing, one that hits for more pop. I'm not entirely opposed to it as long as it becomes a little bit more consistent. And uh, as you alluded to before, you have never picked Brandon for your apple. I've only picked him once, and that was in the Cardinal series in May. So there you go. Nice to see him step up for me finally. There you go. 
about time. All right, I also got an apple, and there's a, there's a couple good choices. Starling Martin, give, give it to me. You 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 lobbied for a guy. I did. I, I may have changed. You peer pressured me a little bit. We can be honest. I did. We can talk about it. I was yeah. originally going to go with Dom Smith. I was happy for him. He had a good series by his standards for the season. Three for 10, two runs, three doubles, three RBI. Very productive in the middle of the lineup. Didn't get three starts. He didn't get as many chances. Uh, I thought about Stalling Marte. Five for 13, a double, an RBI, two walks, and a stolen base. He was kind of all over the place in this series. Really tried to help the Mets in game two. Couldn't get it done. Uh, but my apple is going to go to the guy that we've been sorely missing for over a month and a half now, and that is Max Scherzer. Came back in game two and absolutely balled out against the Reds lineup that just looked like mincemeat against Mad Max. Six innings, no one runs, two hits, no walks, which was really nice, and 11 punchies. He definitely probably could have kept going, uh, and I think we'll see him go deeper his next start. But, you know, Mets want to be precautious with that oblique. Uh, but it was just so nice to see uh, one of our two aces on the mound. This is a team that has been built upon their top premier pitching staff for the past five or so years. And going without it for a month and a half was kind of, you know, it was, it was a, you know, a little bit of a shock to me because I'm used to seeing DeGrom or somebody balling out on the mound. We had a bit of a tough stretch with our starters in June, and it's nice to have that stability back at the top. And Max is only going to get better. He's only going to get angrier. And hopefully he stays healthy for the rest of the season. And then somebody else who's also pretty good can join him in a few weeks. Congrats, Max. Well deserved. You you said mincemeat. You they he did make the Reds look like the Cincinnati Reds of this year. Yeah. They and they were without Vado. They were a subpar team, and he made them look like that. He can do that to any team, which is special. But that was the first time where we're better than the Reds, and our team is significantly better than the Reds, like not even in the same ballpark so to speak you know clapping outside the office again (laughs) but that was the time where he's diced him up i'm going finally this is what a good team should do to a lesser team destroy them but the offense didn't help him out but he made him look like mincemeat as you said so well deserved um well deserved yeah for sure we get him back uh in game two we get chris bassett back on friday we'll talk a little bit about that in the series preview uh, with Miami. But yeah, I mean, as, as many bad things as there were from this series, if you look at it from without the microscope, it's a series win. you took two out of three, you got Max Scherzer back. Dom Smith's bat is waking up a little bit and the Mets got the wins when they needed to. Obviously they could have swept. You can say that for a ton of series this year, but as long as you win every series, I think that you can uh, go home a happy camper. So they're back to 20 games over 500. I think after the season ended for the sixth time this year, I think that's a pretty good record to have a pretty good place to be. And uh, Jacob DeGrom continues to loom on the horizon. Second rehab start on Friday at Daytona Beach. He's going on regular rest. He's going to throw about 40 pitches in this one as he continues to creep up and up and up towards that major league pitch count. And then hopefully uh, the presumed timetable, which I'm very excited for, is that Jacob DeGrom could return for when the Yankees come to town at City Field for that two-game series. It sounds beautiful and lovely. Fingers crossed. That would be so nice. Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm so excited to just see him pitching to live hitters. Like, I can't express how amazing it is to see a guy like that play. Like, I've missed it. Seeing Scherzer made me like this guy. Scherzer's a first ballot Hall of Famer dominant. The the names that they were talking about, he passed uh, on the all-time strikeouts list. Like, he's just doing special stuff. But Jacob DeGrom, 
at his best right now is still a level above that. He's the best on the planet. I miss seeing him pitch. Uh, bring him out. I'm ready. Yes. I'm also ready. very much ready. Uh, one arm we are saying goodbye to. You know, we had a slogan for him. We wanted him to succeed so badly. The Mets DFA Chase and Shreve. It was a tumultuous couple months for Chase and Shreve. We had the I believe in Chase and Shreve. We, I wanted to use that clip so much I more than I got think, to. I think that might have been the turning point I for think, him as I think Matt. We cursed him. I think we might have definitely. I, I think we did too. You're right. Don't tell anybody. We're not liable for that. Yeah, he had to go. Uh, you know, he had a, a couple of roughs uh, outings there, and he, he looked like a really good pickup at the beginning of the season. Hopefully, he finds his way. He was. Uh, to he, another team. he pitched in good games. He pitched. He he had some rough ones, but he also had some really good ones. Um, he'll he'll find somebody to latch onto and and get comfortable. He just didn't look confident on the mound, and sometimes that's hard to shake. Sometimes you just need to a new ballpark to pitch in a new uniform to wear and it changes things yeah and i i I have an interesting question for you i want to keep it on mets pitching uh please do we got a very interesting quote from a guy who's having a really good year for us potentially another all-star year for our new york mets taiwan walker has expressed a lot of interest in an extension with the mets Uh, anthony decomo got this quote from him i've been on short-term deals my last two free agencies it would be nice to do a longer-term deal and kind of just be set up in one place and know that i'm going to be here for a couple years maybe maybe have my family settle in a little bit that would be nice now there's a lot of mets that are expecting new deals soon we got brandon nemo edwin diaz jacob Degrom is probably going to opt out how high on your priority list is bringing back taiwan walker after this year um priority list yeah um (laughs) it's not i mean there's jacob Degrom. he's gonna opt out trying to sign him see when he's got you've got nemo on the horizon i love taiwan walker i really do i think they should try to lock him up for another three three years how old is he now that's a good question he's not old but he's definitely he lost a few years to injury Correct. And, but he's found a level of comfort. He's also found a new style of pitching. Yeah. He, he looks awesome and he loves it in New York. Well, how old is he? He's 30 years. He's about to turn 30 years old. He's about to be 30. So, okay. So we can get, you know, sign him to a, I think we had an option two year, second year option this year that we picked right. up. Right. Give him a, see if he wants a, a, a two year deal with an option for a third year like that and sign them up for cheap because it is, I understand you have a family, you want to settle in. You don't want to, you know, I was the same way. I ended up being in, in basically two places for a long time, but you never knew where you were going to be. And so, you know, you rent instead of buy you, you don't settle in and you have kids that are going to be in school. He would love to like log, you know, enroll them into a school and hang out and have your family get established for a couple years. That would be lovely. I understand it. I think you might be able to get him for the cheap, and he's really damn good at pitching. Yeah, man. so it's just, I, I loved what you said before. It looks like he's figured out his arsenal at age thirty. Like you know, it's we've seen a lot of guys hit a nice career arc in age thirty on, and it seems like Taiwan Walker is figuring out his bread and butter. Those strikeout totals have been crazy. I, th- I just thought it was very interesting that he he aired out that now because uh, I'm sure he's loving the culture of this team, the winning culture, obviously, and he loves New York. So it might not be a bad idea for the Mets. Obviously, they have a lot of things to take care of on their list. 
Uh, but it's just something to keep in mind. Uh, also, yeah, I, I don't want to put him on the priority list. Sure. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't even know what that list looks like. But I think it would be a great, a great find, a great sign to 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 lock him up for a little bit. Well, we do have him going again in our next set with Miami. If you want to take me through that, I do. Looking ahead, taking on the Miami Marlins. Game one, Trevor Williams and his 4.34 ERA going against Daniel Castano and his sparkling 2.42 ERA. Castano last outing versus the Mets on the 26th went seven innings, gave up two runs and five hits, two walks, four punchies. That was a Marlins 3-2 victory. He looked very good. Uh, also, he's left-handed, which the Mets have had its 698 OPS against lefties this season. It's not great. Um, Trevor Williams has allowed eight runs in his last seven and two-thirds over two starts versus Houston and Texas. Um, those are two separate teams, both in the state of Texas. Nice. Uh, but he hasn't been as incredible as he was, but he did pitch on short rest. It's a tough, tough setup, but I really like what Trevor brings to the table. Um, game two. The return of Chris Bassett. Now, he's coming off of uh, the, the COVID list. Hopefully, he's feeling good. Uh, he's going against Pablo Lopez. It's 2.97 ERA. Bassett's at 401, looking to dip that under four. Uh, the Mets are hoping Bassett will return by Sunday. We don't know for sure. He's slated in there. That's our guesstimations. If not, Scherzer will step into that role instead of Monday versus Atlanta. Uh, Pablo Lopez versus the Mets on the 17th of June went five and a third, gave up six earned runs and eight hits, one walk, five punchies. The Mar uh, the Marlins lost that one 10 to four. Um, he has a 12.15 and three starts at City Field. So there's a history of us dominating him. It's Keith Hernandez day for that. Is that what you're doing? A little bit. You're hiding, <laughs> you're hiding the broken arm. Yeah. Uh, that's a big one. We need Bassett back. We need that, you know, that other of the three-headed monster to return to give Max Scherzer a little bit of support. But game three is Cookie Carrasco going against Braxton Garrett, who we gave a rude awakening to. Garrett uh, went four innings, had three earned runs, five hits, two walks, no punchies. Uh, we won that one three to two. Um, but we're, he, sh he looked a little bit overmatched. He's got some good stuff, but I think the second time we should light him up. Uh, Cookie looked great last start against the Rangers, went five and two-third, only gave up that one run on six hits, one walk and eight punchies. Um, his last outing versus the, the Marlins on the 17th oh, was six and a third, three runs, eight hits, two walks, seven punchies. Uh, he looked good, so I like that matchup. And then game four, Taiwan Walker, who we just talked about a whole bunch, has a 2.86 ERA. He's going against Sandy Alcantara. Is 1.82 ERA. Let me repeat that. 1.82 ERA. Uh, Taiwan has a 2.25 ERA over his last 32 innings. That's five starts, all quality. Uh, he beat Miami in back-to-back -back June starts. He went 12 innings, gave up four runs, 10 hits, three walks, 14 punches. And the Mets are one of two teams to score four-plus runs off Sandy. So that is a good move. And he has a 3.33 ERA. And seven career starts at City Field, which is really good. And he's also at better form. So that should be a good one to watch. You had a lot to Four do. Four game there, set. Man. This is a big one, man. This is a huge one, especially because this is of a what big comes one. after. Because we got Atlanta right after this one. So it's nice to get a series win here. Lots to uh, to look at here. Obviously, we have to face Sandy Alcantara again. 
the third time in the last month. The Mets don't get a break, but it looked they looked pretty good against them last time. They got four runs off him, uh, one of the few teams to do that. Um, what else we got here? Taiwan Walker against him. I like that matchup a lot, as you said before. I do. I think the Mets lined up their starters pretty well in the series. We do have two lefties uh, with Garrett and Castano, so hopefully the Mets bats can wake up against them. We need J.D. Davis to start hitting. He's probably going to start both of those games, uh, probably going to bat seventh or eighth, so we need him uh, to be a little bit more uh, productive, especially with Don Smith kind of heating up. Maybe he'll take away more at-bats. It's a competition after all. Uh, this is the nightmare scenario we were talking yeah. about where nobody's, our, nobody's establishing taking over that DH role, and it just goes, oh, no, you you can't even play the hot hand because then the can gets cold. Yep. So it's been... It's been a tough go of it. Uh, I would love to see both of them step up, but one of them needs to step up for their own job security and for the Mets lineup. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked in the preseason PPPs about uh, how optimistic we were for JD and Dom, both of us picking one side or the other, and we were like, there's no way that we're going to be in a conundrum where nobody's doing anything, right? You know, Robinson uh, no, Cano's no, got to do that's something. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen with Cano there. I was like, yeah. this is going to be – they're, they're this is the recipe for what's about to happen. The difference is, though, J.D., his exit velocity, he's been hammering the ball, not as of late, but from the beginning of the season, the numbers don't add up. But all his you know, analytics outside of the counting numbers look positive. Let's hope they start to iron it out and – the the rule of law that he starts to get back into um, positive regression towards you know positive counting stats. So um, yeah, he is an anomaly. I don't know. He's I think he's in like the hundredth percentile for hard hit percentage, like like at the tippity tippity top with like Aaron Judge and all the elite hitters of the game, and he just can't figure it out. And I don't know why. I like that you said tippity top. Tippity. That was cute. Yeah, it's not the top, Jerry. Not even the tippy, tippy top. The, it's tippy, the, the tippy top, your tippy, tippy toes, top. all the above. Yeah, man, he just, it's hard when nothing falls in for you. Uh, he has been barreling up the ball. And so as a hitter, all you can do is trust your approach that you're hitting the ball well. I'll just give off. So if you ever do baseball, Savant, I'm going to get a little analytic-y here. Do it. Um, this is percentiles. These are the things that you want from a hitter. Results, obviously, you you can't really count these, but this is what you want. His average exit velocity is in the 98th percentile. His hard hit percentage, as in the percentage of balls that he crushes, he's in the 100th percentile. Uh, Barrel percentage, which is what you're trying to do, 79th percentile. All of his expected numbers, his average, his on base against, his slugging, all in the top 30%, 30%, some top 20. His whiff percentage is very high. His K percentage is very high. Uh, so those are the two things that we've seen kind of show up lately, but he's been barreling the ball and hasn't seen the just rewards for that. Hopefully we start to see that positive regression I spoke of. I mean, I know it's not like a, a concrete solid comparison, but I want you to go ahead and type in Joey Gallo into your search bar after oh. seeing those percentiles and then look at Joey yeah. Gallo's, they're eerily similar. A 89 hard hit percentage, 90 max exit velocity, and then one in K percentage, one in whiff percentage. These are just okay, two guys. Okay, so he had them at three. Yeah. So- All right, sorry, sorry. Excuse me. No, uh, I just want to speak it into happening. Positive thoughts. Speak it into existence. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah, but uh, it's true, though. 
uh, it's you can't have the extremes on both ends. You've got to kind of meet somewhere in the middle. Um, but I think J.D. Davis is more geared towards positive regression. Joey Gallo has way too much swing and miss in his, in yeah. his arsenal. I, I think J.D. is more of a contact guy than he's been lately. So I think it's just a minor tweak that I, I can see happening. Well, Jerry, with J.D. Davis and Joey Gallo slumping, that means that you can get their baseball cards really cheap. Do you want me to tell you where you should go I would go love to hear about Perfect. it. Well, Jerry, you should go to gregmorriscards.com. I thought you would know that. I thought you, that you would guess. I, tell me more. All right. Well, they're the most trusted sports card seller on the planet. We knew that. They sell over 80,000 sports cards every month, which is over 2,000 a day exclusively on eBay. That's a large number. They sell baseball cards from every era, pre-war, post-war, and modern. You can get your J.D. Davis card today if you really want it. Why do they trust people? Or why do they trust GMC for uh, buying cards? Greg Morris and his team hand grade every card that they sell. Buyers have been trusting Greg's grades for years. If Greg says the card is mint, you know that the card is mint. So go to their website now, gregmorriscards.com, to see their inventory, and they want to give you $10 in free cards just for hearing about them from John Boy Media. So go to their website, find the cards that you want, and if you win the eBay auction, message them with the code JOHNBOY to get $10 off your order. That is gregmorriscards.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring today's video. The amount of ad reads that I've had to do today, I'm parched, man. My, my, I'm, I'm running out of steam here. Well, now we need some type of beverage uh, as so that you can unparch yourself. That'd be perfect, and, and we need like a, a water sponsor or something. something if you're like gonna if you're gonna sell out, man, get something that you need and you want. So that's perfect. Thank you, GMC. Thank you, Bear Burger. Thank you, Shady Rays. Yeah, we appreciate you, you having us. Helps us run the show. And thank you all for listening to today's episode of Shea Station. I believe that's all we got. We had a lot to cover this episode. We did. We did. It was uh, an escape from Cincinnati, ready to lock down the Marlins, put them in a little bit of a uh, a lasso situation. Got Ooh. me a Marlin go fishing over there. <laughs> Have you ever, you know what that's from? No. So it's Austin Powers when uh, Mini-Me is running across the table and he pulls the leash. Jack's nodding. It's, yeah, it's one of my favorite little. He goes, "Oh, got me a Marlin." It cracks me up every time. Uh, yeah. Love that. But yeah, this is this is a big series. I don't want to look ahead to the Atlanta series, uh, but we're looking ahead to the Atlanta series. We, we need are. to get the offense clicking in the right direction. Facing off against the stellar pitching staff of the Marlins could do that because you're not going out and getting cheap hits. This will lock you in. Uh, come on, Eric Chavez, do your thing, my man. Get them going. Get the boys going. We need the boys going. Uh, we will have a special guest on our next episode on Monday. Some guy that knows the Braves, roots for the Braves a lot. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but if you're a John Boy guy, you might know already. Uh, we'll have him on for the series preview uh, which is coming then, and uh, we'll recap the Marlins series, which is hopefully a series win, and then we'll go on, and we'll have our biggest series of the year, I'd say. I'd say so. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you Monday. Somebody broke my Keith Bobblehood. Somebody broke it. Jack, say something to justify this. It's working. Hey. <laughs> Here's the glove. <laughs> Look at this. You being in the apple is badass. <laughs>